Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right. I, I, I haven't heard anybody be, <laughs> be that excitable about being in trouble. I don't know. I feel like Pan-African Parliament was a bit worse than our parliament, but maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better. Well, somebody who's certainly going to make me feel better, Brian Hirsch. Uh, Brian, good morning to you. Well, things are better. I must say there are really good things happening at the moment. You can see our RAND recovering, petrol price other than diesel coming off. Uh, and things are starting to move in the right direction. Uh, our balance of payments, which means our imports are less than our exports. Mm. We're exporting metals and minerals. It's good for our balance of payments. And just generally overall, the vaccine, vaccine, vaccination program is starting to take place. So I think just generally South Africans are feeling a little bit better. I do realize that there are a lot of people still out of work, a lot of people who don't have benefits. I know there's the water and electricity problem. But, you know, we have to, you know, we live in this country mm. and we have to sometimes look for the green shoots. Mm. Where can we be positive? And, and I know it's all macro, but behind the scenes, there is some good things happening. And uh, that's encouraging. Brian, we certainly missed you last week, and today we're going to try and make up for it in terms of the last week of the month. Yes, you, well, last week was the last week, and you had someone to take the program. Please. Oh, Brian, I'm having a bit of difficulty with that line. I'm not sure why uh, the line to Brian is seemingly uh, we're seemingly losing that line to Brian. I'll give them a moment just to redial him. Maybe let me also use this as an opportunity to hear more from you in terms of uh, the voice notes that you've been sending in. Hi, Kathy. I hope you are well with your team there. I'm just disappointed with this uh, ESCOM well. We are still going to be disappointed until further notice. But I just wonder, an official of ESCOM leaving the house, going to work, telling the kids that I'm going to work, while he is going to switch off the electricity. This is quite disappointing. I don't know what is going on with this ESCOM thing. And this is the worry that we're going to go through until, I don't know, until further notice. I don't know. I'm just disappointed. Thank you. All right. So Brian Hirsch is back on the line. Brian, so let's get straight into the first question. This is one of the frequently asked questions that you received in the last month. And it's actually a very good question, right? Which will give me a better return, investing in a money market account or Satrix? Yeah, I look, I look very, very different. And I get asked this question, how does Satrix compare to a money market account? Mm. They are completely different. It's like apples and pears. Investing in a money market account, a bank fixed deposit, a money market account, you're going to have certainty and security, but it's short term. It's for money that you need over the next one to three years. And the reason I say one to three years, because obviously you don't want to take risk. If you've got an event happening in that period of time, you want that certainty. And when you're going into markets, there are risks. And in my opinion, it's certainly not, you shouldn't even call it an investment. Mm. What you could call it, it's a saving for use during the next period of time. 
um, and it's and and you're certainly not going to hedge against inflation. But one doesn't feel inflation over one or two or three years. One feels inflation over ten to fifteen years. Satrix investing for long-term growth. It's market-related and has risks. And also, let me just explain. People who invest monthly into Satrix need to realize they can't say at the end of two or three years, I've invested 10000 over the period because the last month that they made that investment, they won't get any growth. So if they invest for three years, which is 36 months, and you put it into the market month one, that one that amount will have been an investment for three or four or five years. The next month mm. will have had one month less. So Satrix is all about the market, up and down. So if you'd put a lump sum into fat into Satrix last February, let's say you'd put in twenty thousand Rand. By April that twenty thousand was down to sixteen thousand mm. because of the fall in the markets. But it, because it was long term, that twenty thousand today is worth twenty three to twenty four thousand. But that's why I talk about long term. If you'd put twenty thousand in the bank in February last year, and you'd ask the bank what it was worth in April, it would have been twenty thousand plus a little bit of interest. So it's very different to investing in money markets and bank accounts mm-hmm. to investing in Satrix because of the risks involved. But you but you outweigh the risks as long as you've got a longer time to time horizon. Mm-hmm. That takes out the volatility. And remember, when you're putting money monthly away and markets are falling, you're actually buying more of those investments with the same amount of money. So I'll give you a simple example. If Coca-Cola was 10 Rand a tin, and you, every month you were buying a Coca-Cola and it dropped to 9 Rand 50 and then to 9 Rand and you are now buying it at lower prices and two years later it's now 11 or 12 Rand, every amount you had invested even in a falling market was now higher. So don't worry about fluctuations if you're looking long term. But long term on a capital amount, I would say five years upwards, long term on money invested monthly, think even six, seven years. So I think perhaps, Brian, another good question for you to answer would be to explain how money market accounts work. Well, money market accounts are very simple. The banks offer you a rate of interest Mm -hmm. and they will lend out that money at a higher rate and they will balance their books accordingly. So their rates are based very much on the repo rate and the prime rate and they will calculate what rate of interest they can pay you. Banks are paying today on money market accounts, on daily call, on small amounts, virtually nothing. On, a, on something a little bit more substantial, 100000 or up, they're probably paying 3 3.5%. A money market account is also run by different institutions, and it's similar, although it may have a little different um, components that we as investors, when we invest in the bank, can't buy, and therefore their interest rates may be slightly higher at four to five percent but that's it you're not going to get much more than that it's taxable so short-term money markets for certainty and security is the place to be if you're looking to grow money over a longer period of time then you want to be looking Mm. at growth assets Mm. so if, if i'm hearing you correctly brian it means that people must also be realistic when they're putting their money in particular into money market accounts about the kind of returns that they're going to see over the short term Yes, well, they're going to get, look, at, you know, a 3% or 3.5% over a year or two is not going to make much difference. It's really not. Mm. But yes, always shop around. I mean, different banks will pay a different rate. 
But and, and always remember that the greater the return, because I always worry when I hear about bigger returns on a guaranteed basis. It always worries me because if the top four or five banks are paying three to four percent, I you know I, I always worry when I hear a, a much higher returns than that. Just know what you're doing. Um, but certainly, money market accounts is for emergency money, money that you may need, mm. or for events that are going to happen. You know, I want to save for a car. I want to save for a deposit on a house. You don't want to take risk. You don't want to find that you've saved a hundred thousand and that hundred thousand is worth ninety. But long term, you know, the biggest problems people saving for retirement make is they have the wrong investment strategy. They are someone at 30, 40, 50 must be much more growth orientated, much more aggressive with the investment and must not be conservative for the long term. When you're talking 10 or 15 years time, the place to either be is in equities, which is the stock market through Satrix or other unit trusts or direct or property. That's where you must be. That's how you will create wealth mm-hmm. in the long term. Okay. Let's also deal with this question, Brian. Which one is better, life assurance or or funeral cover? Is it life insurance, I think, or funeral cover? No, let me explain to you the difference between the word insurance and assurance. Mm. Insurance means it may or may not happen. You insure your motor car. Mm. You may have an accident. You may not have an accident. At the end of the year, your premium has been paid and your premium is now used up. When you buy assurance, the event will happen. When you buy life assurance and you keep it, you one day will die. Uh, So assurance is the word we use when it comes to life assurance. Mm. The difference between funeral cover, funeral cover will cover part or whole of the funeral. It will be paid out to fund the funeral. It will not provide long to not pay for debt. It will not pay for education. It will not family with income in the event of the breadwinner dying. Mm. Cover is for an event and, it, and, and, and the payment of the event, life assurance, will, can also pay for funeral costs, but also it will provide other, bene- other amounts of money for your need. The difference is funeral schemes pay out quickly, whereas life assurance, there could be some delays because they need quite a lot of doc- documentation, they need a death certificate, they, need, um, uh, they may call for further information to investigate the cause of death, and that can take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So funeral cover, is, and you know, you don't have time when someone dies, you want the money to fund the cost of the funeral. Life insurance is the future cost, not that event immediately. And and in terms of um, monthly premiums, uh, is there quite a big difference, as opposed to depending on the kind of product that you're going for, where life insurance is concerned or funeral cover? Yeah, funeral cover doesn't always work on age. It just works on an amount. Mm. And if you're under a certain age, life assurance normally works on your age next birthday, although age will always play a role, but you could have a different pattern of premium payments. You could pay um, a flat premium for the rest of that policy period, or you could start off at a lower level and have it escalate every year, or you could start pay based on your age next birthday. When you're young, life insurance does not go up materially. So when you get into your 50s and 60s, mm. when you start to see the cost of life cover escalating each year. So you've got to have a look at your own policy, but it's very different life funeral cover. They both provide some protection. They both will pay out in the event of death. But the one will pay out, and really you've bought it to pay out for the funeral, not to cover all the other things that families will need Mm -hmm. uh, in the years to come. 
I suppose uh, also, Brian, just moving on to the next one, you know, an emergency fund is is crucial for, for all of us because we just don't know um, what some of the things that are go- going to crop up and require money might be. Um, and I suppose how much one keeps in an emergency fund is also uh, subjective. But but do you have advice on, on where people should be investing uh, money in terms of the emergency fund? Kathy, we're not talking about investing emergency funds. We call keeping those emergency funds in savings to protect us. Mm. Let me say to you, up to a year ago, I had a clear view, much clearer view on emergency funds. Mm. And all of a sudden, when COVID hit, South Africans were really hit from all sides. And the, the importance of the emergency fund has never been greater. But I don't think that many people prepared for this type of problem uh, um, uh, years gone by. Uh, In my opinion, uh, I think people should calculate their living expenses, which includes the payment of debt and paying for life insurance and insurance and food and all the things that one needs. And I think one should have about six months available in an emergency, emergency fund. And it's an emergency fund that should not be touched. You know, so many people during the period of time, they actually dip into the emergency fund because they don't see, you know, everything's running smoothly and they don't think mm. about it. Uh, I I'm, don't believe putting money in any investment for an emergency fund. Just keep it aside. There's nothing wrong. It doesn't matter if you haven't got interest. It's there to protect you against emergencies. Um, I must tell you something strange. Um, the many, South Af- many, many continental people that came, that came to South Africa at, before the outbreak of the Second World War uh, had le- left money behind in Swiss banks and various other banks. And it was what they call money for a rainy day. And they came to South Africa and they struggled to make, uh, to make a career and make a life of themselves. Mm-hmm. And when I first came into this industry in, in, in the 60s, a lot of those people still had those emergency funds. And no matter how they struggled, they never actually touched that money. It never rained hard enough for them to use those emergency funds. Mm. But I think an emergency fund is essential. We've actually seen now over the last 14 months how critical an emergency fund can be. And, uh, and, but, so I would say going forward, I would say anything between uh, six, uh, one should have six months of emergency money. Oh, six months emergency money, Brian? Mm. Six months, yeah. To, to, you know, to, to, then you really feel secure. So, you know, just remember, if you've got an endowment policy um, and even older generation life policies that you have to, used to have cash values, you can get money out of those investments. Mm. So when I talk about emergency money, I don't mean it's got to be sitting under the mattress, but it can be an endowment policy. It can be a, a loan value of your life policies. It can be um, in a money market unit trust. Uh, but know that you've got it if you need it because there's nothing worse when suddenly you have no money and yet you've still got the bills and the important things of life. You've still got to pay rent. You've still got to pay your bond. Mm. You've still got to pay your life insurance to protect your family. You've still got to pay your medical aid. I just think that that's prudent to have that sort of money set aside. I must say, every time I speak to you, Brian, I feel like I'm just not saving enough. All right, I've got one voice note for you uh, coming through from one of our listeners. Hi, good morning, Kathy, and your listeners. Um, Franz here. I'd like to find out 
is it better to invest in a bank or with a bank and or with a fund management company and um, is unit trust the best when it comes to long term brian yeah, well, I, well, he's asked us, answered the question that I, that, that I really asked the question that I answered earlier on. Yes, you can invest in a money market fund with a fund, with a, with an investment house, uh, where you've got no risk and you've got money invested. And you, as I said, you'll get a slightly better return than if you invest in the bank. Uh, when you talk about look, being a bit longer, and he spoke about longer term, unit trust is the way to go. And within the suite of unit trusts, are Satrix funds, which mm-hmm. can give you a whole range of different types of investments. You can invest in general, you can invest in bonds, you can invest in flexible funds, you can invest in property, you can invest in a whole range, you can invest in technology. So Unitra, Satrix funds are the way to go, but all, of, all the fund managers also have um, Unitrust. And then there are a whole new suite of, of funds that are run by Signia, uh, which used to be the DBX funds, which gives you exposure to offshore. But those are all what I consider longer term. And as I'll repeat, a lump sum must have a minimum of five years. If you're putting money away monthly, I would be looking more than that, uh, 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 anything between seven, seven years upwards. All right, Brian, we're going to continue with our conversation. It's 10.30. Luanda has your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Uh, Brian, um, you know, I've got a question here for you, and uh, it's from Homoyi Hlom- Hlom- uh, rather Homoyi on social media, and is asking if you can please explain the hundred thousand rand clause on funeral cover benefits. Well, look, every company that sells funeral schemes has a different benefit. But I would imagine, and I'm sorry if I knew what company I can investigate further, so maybe we could just take him back and ask the question, but I would imagine that 100,000 benefit is what the actual insured amount is, that if this individual passes away, it may also include other family members. The maximum they will pay for that is 100,000 rand. Um, Kathy, you would know a lot more than I would. I, I know that we've had a difficulty in the last 14 months with funerals and, and the type of after, after, the, after the funerals. How much does a funeral cost these days? Well, I think the prices have been greatly reduced, Brian. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't see a lot of people, at least from, you know, from my experience, are spending 10,000, between yeah. ten and 15,000 rand on funerals. Yeah, because they, remember, there are a lot less people attending the mm. funeral mm. and a lot less functions. Mm. People, you know, in previously, I mean, you could hire, buses were hired and all those type of things. Mm. But I think the call is 100,000 refers to what's called the sum assured, and that's the, max, that's the maximum amount they will pay, well, and the only amount they will pay, because they don't pay. I mean, death is death. You know, you have different types of policies. You have what's called dreaded disease and critical illness, where you ensure that if you, catch, if you get a major illness, heart attack, stroke, paraplegia, cancer, or something like that, depending on the severity, they will pay an amount of money. So if you're insured for 100,000 and it's not that severe, when they, do the, when they say your cancer was a, a one out of 10, 
not, not to four out of seven, they'll pay less. But I think with funeral, your death is death. So I would imagine that the caller, without naming more details, that's what the sum assured is. Maximum payable. But as you say, maybe people are overinsured at the moment because maybe they're insuring for a lot more when they don't need it. Uh, that doesn't mean it won't be paid out. It just won't be needed for that funeral and could be used, obviously, to offset other costs that may happen around that time. Okay. Uh, Renee is asking if income protection is good enough uh, for the six-month savings that you mentioned. Mm. Hello, Brian? Hi, Brian. Hi, I can hear you now. Sorry. Kathy, income protection refers to disability. Um, If you're disabled from your own occupation or similar occupation, either temporarily or permanently, the company will pay after a waiting period. There's normally a waiting period. Anything between one, three, or six months, I'll explain that. They will pay you an income during that time of, that, that you're off. So if you have a one-month waiting period, that means the first but they will then continue to pay you. If you're disabled, they will continue to pay you, pay you the insured amount until you may have taken the full if you've got a three-month waiting, you've then got to wait three months before you can claim. So it's got nothing to do at all with the emergency fund. Um, uh, income pro- income dis- is protection is all about disability if you can't work. Mm. All right, Brian. First, uh, lastly, before I let you go, uh, can you send? Can you just let us know how people can reach you? Yeah, you know, please, again, I've been getting a lot of numbers where I, I phone back. There's no voice message. They don't tell me where they're phoning from. I, I can't help ask your message on. Obviously, I can't phone again once I've tried. 011-880-4888. I need to know where you're phoning from so that if I can't get hold of you on first call, I can at least pass your query down the line to someone in your area who can get hold of you. All right. Thank you so much for that. Brian Hirsch. And of course, he's back with us again next week, uh, Tuesday. Simon in Polokwane says, Hi, Kathy. Funeral cost, funerals cost from 40K to 100K. Even now during COVID, uh, the casket and tombstone is very expensive. Yeah, but look, 100,000 for a funeral under COVID? How much are you spending on the casket? How much are you spending on the tombstone? I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think I always think that it's sometimes better just to go for those, you know, plain caskets that aren't going to break the bank. You know, it shouldn't cost more than 4,000 rand. That's it, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a view of, 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 of Simon there. And, and I'm certainly not, not disputing what you're saying, Simon. I can see how it can be true because sometimes people, you know, buy caskets worth 15,000 rand that's gold plated and has all of the bells and, and whistles. I was thinking about something more basic, I think, in my assumptions. So I, I could be off the mark where that's concerned.